buying exercise equipment. If you need any exercise equipment, if you'll, if you'll pay attention in March, there'll be plenty for half price. Hallelujah. And uh, don't try to call in and get a diet plan going today. Wait until the last part of February and you can have all you want. Hallelujah. That's kind of how that worked. I, I trust you had a, a, an amazing Christmas with your family and, and uh, that you were blessed. It doesn't really, family's not really the reason we're blessed because I've been some, to some rodeos where you just couldn't wait for the 26th to get here. <laughs> and then I've been to some that were so, so wonderful. So it doesn't really matter. Jesus is really the reason for the season. So we're just thanking him for uh, not only delivering us through a year, but prospering us and building a foundation for the next year. So that's what I want to do this morning is I want to talk about 2023. I don't normally do it. Used to be back in the day, people like Jerry Savelle or Brother Copeland or somebody, they'd come up with a witty little something about the year and the new year. Uh, be, uh, 2007 was the year of heaven and 2009 was the year divine and 2011 was likened to heaven or something. You know, it just, you know, you go, Lord, is that how that works? But actually, it does. And so, uh, are we ready to go, sir? We're on, all right. We, we're going to work out a signal thing where, where he won't know I'm landing. Hallelujah. So I'm saying that 2023, this is what the Lord told me. He doesn't tell me much stuff like this, but he did tell me this year is the year that we're going to know what to do. So let's first person that and say, 2023 is my year to know what to do. Now, I want to I want to preface that about the Lord, because it's like, OK, I wasn't showing you all anything last year. But this year, I'm going to give you a little pull back the curtain. But that's not really how it works. He hasn't been withholding in past years. But whatever we emphasize is emphasized. So he's he wants us to emphasize being at the right place at the right time. Therefore, he wants you to know what to do. So that means, in my opinion, uh, and I got the word just like I told you, um, that there are things that we need to be attentive to in 23 that were not necessarily on the radar in 22. We need to know what to do. In other words, we're going to have to not miss it this next year. How many of y'all are not missing it anymore? We're nailing it the first time. No more jerky backs, no more do-overs, no more uh, getting out of the sand and, and digging yourself out to get back on the road because you, you didn't see that T coming. You, we're going to turn left or right, and we're going to be at the right place at the right time. So specifically, he's going to be telling us what to believe for. He's going to be telling us what to release our faith for. Purposeful living in 2023. Purposeful living. Sounds pretty exciting. If, you're, if, you, if you ever planned a cruise or a road trip or a, uh, had a birthday and everybody's saying, boy, when your birthday comes, we're going to throw down. You know, you kind of build a, an, an image around that day and about that season and everything. Well, 2023 is that season and it will be everything you will let it be. The Lord is saying... Here's my limits. How close can you get to the fence? How close can you get to the boundary and the border? Uh, it's pretty wide open in 2023. So the plans, the dreams, the things that have been hidden in your heart for a long time that have just been sitting there marinating, they're going to come out in 23. 
ministry is going to be paramount. You're going to be releasing the things the Lord's been putting in you. And it's going to be your happiest year ever. Hallelujah. Uh, I put down here, I wrote down, winning seasons are dreamed, they're possessed, they're programmed, and they're lived. So winners, you know, like if, like if you were a football team and you played yesterday, coach just didn't show up at the beginning of the game and say, what could we do here with this team? Who are we playing now? Oh, okay, well, let's do this or that. No, everything that they've been breathing and looking at and living and filming and all that sort of stuff is for that moment, that three-hour team uh, contest there. It's been programmed. It's been dreamed out. They all saw, coach told them all, we can do this. And TCU absolutely did do that. <laughs> Hallelujah. So it, they were way underdogs, and there they are at the top of the hill yesterday. Well, that's the way it is for you and me. We're going to dream. We've been dreaming, but we're going to possess what we've been dreaming, and we're going to see things happen this next year. I don't like to go out on the limb like this. I don't like to uh, say these things because they can be so misconstrued, but it's so important that we know the potential and the, the, the capacity for this next year that we get prepared, that we start anticipating, that we start planning this is a good year. Because as you believe, as you say, uh, uh, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe you receive them. If we'll receive them, we will have them. And the Lord's telling us to do that very thing. Uh, if you are a businessman and you got through the Christmas season and this is a new year, you're going to have a plan. You're going to have a business model, especially if you're borrowing from the bank or something. They're going to say, what's your business plan? And you would chart that all out and say, here's, here's Mr. Banker what, uh, why you should loan me money and uh, go with me. I have this plan. And we know that they do that. We know that uh, a church is pretty much... Uh, in one vein or another, there's missions churches. That's all they do. Morning, noon, and night. We're, we're missions. Then there's worship churches that all they concentrate on. Everything is like, we got to go to church because we're going we're gonna to watch them worship. And we might get in on it a little ourselves. Hallelujah. Then, then there's social churches that are, the word doesn't really matter. It's just a matter of protocol that we, we get up and say a few words about the Bible or whatever. But social is the, is the strata that they're working out of. Uh, what else is there? Kinds of churches that uh, there's protectors of the truth where uh, uh, they, they uh, someone said the other day, uh, said that they were an Orthodox church. And they, I said, well, what makes you want to go to an Orthodox church? How much fun is it at an Orthodox church? And they said, well, they think that they're the, the uh, curator or the protector of the original faith, the original language, that they go back and they touch the original scriptures like they were given. And that all that we have and all these versions we have are all knockoffs and counterfeits and all of that. Of course, my response was, is, well, if it doesn't change your life, it doesn't matter what you know. It doesn't matter how close you were to anything. It's what you do with it. So there's all kinds of churches. There are all kinds of flavors. And um, if you're in a church like this, the, 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 
the, the founder of the church, which would be me, would the vision or the structure is pretty much built around what he likes or what he feels called. And people just come or say, I don't want that. That's not what we're doing. My family, we want to do this church or that church. And they, they come and go or they stay. But, uh, and if you have a denominational churches where you, every three or four, six years, you have a new one would come in. He's got to pretty much stay with the vision of the church, doesn't he? Because he, he, he didn't start it and he can't really program it. So churches are like that and families are like that. Uh, I know uh, uh, Pastor Matt Davis over in Jimison, uh, Pastor West's brother-in-law, he is, he's wild-eyed missions. If you ever get him to stand up in front of you, you're going to hear about the mission trip. And then Emily, you know his daughter, she's, isn't she wonderful? She's just amazing. And uh, so that's a family thing, whereas others uh, are different. In, in any church, you have different kinds of what we call pockets. And some people, if you say we need a new refrigerator for, children, uh, for the, the kitchen, there'll always be some family that'll say, whatever you don't get, I'm good for it. Or if you have emissions and you say, well, we, we need to send money. Well, there'll be two or three families that'll say, Ah, we got to send money. We got to do we got to do missions. Others, different areas of the church, they have a heart for and they give. And if you get if you get against their pocket and they don't like missions, they don't have anything about missions. They don't like they they won't give a dime, but somebody else will give a thousand dollars. So how is that? Well, it's kind of the way people are structured. We're all different, but together we all make one. And I'm telling you these things because I want to go somewhere with that. Uh, so uh, remember Joseph, we talked about him a few weeks ago, how he had a dream and he told his dream to his family and it offended them because they didn't get that dream. If they'd all had that dream at the same night, they'd all got together and been real happy about it. But as it were, the dream was all about him being over them. And so they weren't very excited about it. But he dreamed a dream. And this dream that, that Joseph had about being in charge, being raised up, it carried him through his whole life. And family, each one of you, you need to have a dream that'll carry you through hard times, maybe times where nothing's happening. I, I did a series years ago about or uh, a few years ago about when nothing is happening in your life, what do you do? Uh, Joseph dreamed this dream and it ministered to his family because famine came and they got delivered. It ministered to the people in Egypt because he had the plan for uh, sustaining them through the famine. But it also made a way for the Messiah to come back, which was God's main deal from, from the fall is to get the Messiah back in the earth. And so he used Joseph. So there's a lot of people that were involved in what some people's, what one person's dream was. Well, that's what you are. Your dream is affecting not only you, but it's going to affect people. And we need to understand to what extent it is. We're not just down here wandering around like, like if you ever watched an ant on an anthill or a bunch of ants, it seems like they're all going everywhere, but they all are purposeful. They, it seems like they all know what they're doing, even though there's no overseer or anything. Um, 
someone told me the other day that they'd never been in a church like River Church where every family, every family had made Jesus Lord. Insinuating and pointing to that perhaps River Church was a church like that where every family, if you just sat down with them, you would let them talk and minister. They would tell you how Jesus was Lord in their life, how they came to that and how he had been strengthening them. And it was an amazing testimony. And that's good on one hand, but it means that we're not really, we should be having new people in that don't know come on from Sikkim. Would y'all agree with me? And turning them into that same thing. Uh, but, but dissenting members are usually overwhelmed by the strength of the strong members. So it doesn't matter. We wouldn't lose our identity or our, our drive or our dream even if somebody came in and they're like, I, I just, I just want to come every once in a while and I don't want to give and I don't want to serve and I don't want to, you know, I don't want to have anything to do with anybody. They're pretty much swallowed up by the whole. The Pareto, y'all ever heard of the Pareto principle? The Pareto principle, it was developed years ago by Pareto. And he observed that 20% of any group did 80% of the work that did 80% of the administrating, that carried 80% of the uh, administrations, carrying the dream. 80% of any group is pretty much done by one-fifth of the whole. And then conversely then, 80% of the people in any group were only willing and able to do about one-fifth or 20%. So it's it's that way in your family. It's that way in a church. It's that way in every group, pretty much. And so I started writing down things that, that reflected that in the Bible. And uh, one example would be the, the four soils that Jesus talked about. Three of them were not good, but one of them was. So that would be 25%. Uh, the 12 disciples, think about them. Uh, there were 70, there was 12 there was Peter, James, and John, and then there was John. But if you think about it, I looked, I looked it up because I could not name the name of the disciples after Peter, James, and John. But let's see if you can remember them. I wrote down uh, Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew. When did y'all ever hear about Bartholomew walking on the water? <laughs> he, was, he was under the boat. Uh, Matthew, he wrote a book, but... James of Alphaeus, the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, when's the last time you prayed to the saint Thaddeus? Uh, Simon of Canaan and Judas Iscariot, and then Peter, James, and John. So only three out of the 12 were pulling for the Lord, and yet he got the job done. Now, we don't know what Bartholomew did. Maybe he went to India and evangelized the whole nation, maybe... Maybe Thaddeus, we, we don't know what Simon of Canaan did. I didn't even know there was a Simon of Canaan, to be honest. I had to look this up and say, what, who are those people? Remember, Gideon had 33,000 guys that were interested in overthrowing the Midianites. They were oppressing their whole nation. But by the time he got through calling everybody out of 33,000, he only had 300. And those 300 boys went up the hill and whooped everybody. Didn't actually have to whoop them, just acted like they could. 
And the Midianites went down the other side of the hill and went home. Said it's time for spring planting. We think we'll go home. And so uh, the definition, one definition of success, I think, in the kingdom is when you like what God likes and you don't give a hoot about everything he doesn't care. It's, it's, you could say it's a priority thing. Everything's out there to do. Everything, a lot of things are good to do. But if the Lord's not interested in it, why should we be? I mean, sure, we got to do things and have things and everything, but a priority where you think about it, where you meditate on it, where you dream about it, where you get involved in it, where you're interested in sowing into it and speaking to the mountain that's coming against it. If you like what God likes, he's going to fund you and he's going to support you. And, but if you're messing with stuff that he's not interested in, like, for example, it could be a secular charity. Now, I'm, please, I'm not picking on anybody. I don't even know anybody in here that's involved in that. But just for example, you could be involved in a secular charity and that might be good. It might help a lot of people, but you don't know what the fruit of that is, how it turns out at the end. And if you can't measure fruit or increase, maybe God's not really. Maybe that's man's idea. That's what I'm trying to say here. So success is liking what God likes and giving nothing to everything else, giving no thought to everything else. And that's where I want to go for 2023. That's what I want to talk about this morning is that you and I should know our limits, our capacity, our boundaries. We should know them. It's not necessarily virtuous to be a free spirit and just give yourself to everything that comes along. Are y'all here this morning? I am still going somewhere with this. Just hang on a little longer. So uh, you got to know who you are. We've been working on this for a long time. Identity, knowing who you are. We've said that when you know who you are, and then and only then you'll know what you can do and what you can have. The question comes up, you know, well, how, 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 much, how much authority do I have over the devil? Well, you, you don't know anything if you don't know who you are. Uh, I heard someone who, I, hope, I, I wish I remember these sources. Someone said today, the other day that they had a, a demon-possessed child or a very troubled child and said they were thinking about becoming Catholic so that they could get them an exorcist and take care of that child. Well, it was who? Oh, yeah, there you go. Sorry, didn't cite the source there. But uh, it's like, okay, they think an exorcist in the Catholic Church can do it, and maybe they can, but I'm just saying it's a like, well, they can, but I can't. You see that? We need to know who, who we are so that, because if the truth are known in that definition, we're all exorcists. We cast them punks right out, put them on the sidewalk and drive on. That's the example I'm using to say that you got to know who you are. 
And so we can talk about a lot of things, and we have in the years of the kingdom, about God wanting to fund you, God wanting to supply you, that he wants to make you wealthy because he was made poor and paid the price. He wants you healed. Doesn't want you to be sick and, and uh, handicapped. But the problem is us not believing that. We, we believe that. But what we do is we disqualify ourselves because we know better than anybody what we've done, what we've thought, what we haven't done, what we haven't thought, and we disqualify ourselves. That's why it's easy to pray for other people is because you don't know their shortcomings. You don't know they've been bad to the bone. <laughs> so you, you can pray with them like, ah, mercy on you, grace, grace, and we just get in there and we just, we just plead the blood over them and just take care of it. But when we go to ourselves sometimes, and say, Lord, here I am, then suddenly there's a flood of why you can't have what you think you're qualified for. So we have to know who we are. That's the main issue in the kingdom of God. Christ in me, the hope of glory. That he's, he's not, in this season we have a, a misnomer where, where he is Emmanuel, God with us. But he's not Emmanuel. He's God in us not with us. I mean, we don't want to make anybody mad. And, and uh, if I want to get a little tiff started at my house, I just start talking about the, the three wise men that were at the stable when the Bible says they came to the house two years later. So, you know, we, we, we can get stuff started up just for fun. Hallelujah. But you got to know who you are. Uh, who are you when you go to plead your case to the Lord? You've got to know who you are. Because if you go to the Lord and say, well, I've been good here and I've, I quit smoking that and drinking that and running around with them and everything. Lord, does that make me somebody? And he'd say, nah, we don't, we don't care about that. Well, Lord, that's all I got. Well, the real thing we could go to the Lord to get him to help us is say, I'm born again. I'm a child of God. The blood of Jesus has cleansed me from all unrighteousness. And here I am to take my part. So it'd be kind of like the prodigal. He had a hard time going home, didn't he? He had a hard time receiving it. So we're going to take this first message of the year and we're going to determine whether we're going to make God the truth or let him be a liar because it can't be both ways. If he said who you are, then he's either true or he's a liar. He's writing a fiction novel of some kind about what he might do and he might not do, and you just never know what God's going to do. But if we say what he says is true and I'm going to believe it, we'll have a different life than if we say, maybe, maybe not. And you just live in a continuum of never pulling the trigger, never stepping into that realm of life and life to the abundant. We all have missed the mark. We have all missed the mark and we are ashamed of it. We are mad at it. We knew better or, or whatever. But like I said, he's cleansed us from all unrighteousness. It's as if we've never sinned. And you got to go there. You got to go there. I hate guilt. I just won't tolerate it. I just don't. You either repent of it, say I did it and I repent of it. Or you deny it and say, I didn't do it. And I'm not going to be guilty no matter what you think I did or what I said or whatever. I didn't do it and I'm, 
I am sin free. But either way, you get to the place where you're absolved. You're not guilty. You're not ashamed. Could you all say amen right there? That's where you're going. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Genesis. Because we're going to make God the truth. That's all he wants out of us is to say, you're right. Anything that's not what you say, Lord, is wrong. Did y'all hear me? Genesis chapter one. Let's go to the first page. Let's look in verse 26 and find out who we are. This is who we are, not who we're becoming, not who we'd like to be, not who wouldn't that be fine or wouldn't be it be someday when we get good enough. We can do this. The Bible says in verse 26, after uh, God had thought about some things in the garden, he said, uh, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion. You go through the fish and the fowl and the cattle and over all the earth. And, uh, let them have dominion over all the earth. That's where I like to just narrow it down. Let them have dominion over all the earth. So we heard testimony this morning. How we had dominion over all the earth. You never knew what you needed. Sometimes you uh, a, a pack of dogs might be where you need dominion. It might be that. Uh, you you. Like she said, uh, that testimony rolling your car and eight angels. I mean, now listen back to that. I want some better angels. I don't want them to have to take eight of them to get me out. I want some I want some uh, some. Well, I need some angels. I don't need eight little punk guys that are in training. I, you know, like uh, like who was in the uh, uh, Clarence. I don't need eight Clarences. I want <laughs> Never mind. That's not spiritual at all. Uh, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over all the earth. And do y'all know that God got his way? He didn't say, I hope it comes in. My horse is number three in the back and he's not very fast today. No, the Lord won before he said it. And so that's how it is. That's who you are. You have dominion over all the earth. That's how it is. Psalm chapter 8. Let's, let's just set some things up. I could get to the point and all of y'all would say, well, we knew all that other stuff, but let's just say it anyway. Let's imprint our spirits with the truth. And so there'll be no escape. Psalm chapter 8, an amazing verse in the Old Testament. And says in verse 4, I'd love to read the whole thing, but we'll just read this. What is man that thou art mindful of him? The psalmist said, what is man that thou art mindful of him? So David thought he was mindful. And the son of man that thou visitedest him, that God would visit man. For thou hast made him man a little lower than the angels and has crowned him with glory and honor. Thou madest him, already past tense, thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Genesis chapter 1, right? Thou hast put all things under his feet. Wow, what a verse. That tells you who we are. If you look at another version, the, the, the literal Hebrew will tell you this. And if you look it up in the Hebrew, you'll see there that where it's made him a little lower than the angels, doggone those King James folks, they just couldn't stand it. 
They just couldn't stand to translate Elohim, the creator God that's in Genesis chapter one. In the beginning, God, Elohim, that's the same word here where it says angels. So it says that God made us a little lower than Elohim, than himself. Oh, my. And in one version, uh, the contemporaries, several versions, you made him a little lower than you yourself, it says. The TEV says you made him inferior only to yourself. Made him inferior only to yourself. The passion says he's crowned with like kings and queens with glory and magnificence. You want to see some glory? I got stuff. You want to see some magnificence? We got stuff. How do you feel? It doesn't matter. The word's true. If you disagree with this, you are wrong. You can be right by agreeing, but if you don't, the, uh, uh, the, the, uh, the Hebrew says uh, of uh, glory and honor, it says, uh, what does it say? Uh, dignity and worth. Dignity, thou hast made him little lower than yourself and has crowned him with dignity and worth. So there goes that old worm, we're just worm argument. Dignity and worth. The, uh, the New English translation, maybe that's it, says honor and majesty. Majesty. Little o' us, God said he crowned us, the Passion says like kings and queens, with majesty, with magnificence, with honor, and with worth. Now that's what he said about us. He, he, gosh, he's the potter and we're the clay, so to speak. So I guess he can say this is a pot if he wants to. We are whatever he says we are because we don't have any way to ascertain who we are other than him. Our feelings, we can't trust them because we don't feel like honor and majesty. We don't feel like dignity and worth. But he says we are. And so we go with that. Psalm 139. You're right there. Slip over just a few to the east. 139. This is the Old Testament. Y'all know this is the least thing. Everything that's in the Old Testament is always eclipsed by what the new covenant has brought to us. It's at least as good in the old and usually not as good as what the new has brought us. But we can say everything in the old is at least true. It says in Psalm 139, 14. I love this. I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. There goes that old thing on the mud pot thing where you just threw you on the wheel and twirled you around three times and said good enough. Marvelous are thy works and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in thy book, all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned when as yet there was none of them. Wow. When he made you and he made me, he wrote it down. He didn't just, you know, have a crank on a, on a mill thing that just cranks them out and they're just dropping into a box at the end of the conveyor belt. 
He documented us. I don't know how he does that, but the word says that he, he wrote us down. All of us were written down. The, uh, the new living. I, let me read this to you. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. Say, that's me. Come on. That's me. As I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day, this is it. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Now, if that doesn't get your wood burning, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And then you'd have to say from this verse, we are purposefully made. Purposely, not just, uh, just that he just threw us down onto the earth in gobs and, and hunks, but that we were picked out like a jeweler that's ordering inventory and going through a catalog and saying, oh, I like that emerald. Give me two of those. And I like this amethyst. Give me a dozen of those. I, 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 they're beautiful. Kind of like that where the Lord just had a purpose for you and me. Kind of takes that old, I'm just a mud pot or I'm just an old worm thing out of the way, doesn't it? The time that God Almighty spent documenting you and I and putting a purpose inside of us. Now, in Romans chapter 1, are y'all still with me? Romans chapter 1, verse 25. This has everything to do with the new year. So just how is he going to get back around to that? Well, hang on. Here we come. The truth is, here's the truth. Let me give you a little truth for the new year. The truth is that who we are, who we are in the, in the earth, our lives are such that God put all of creation around us to minister to us. Why are there stars in the sky? Just for you and me to look at them. I can tell you it's just for you and me to look at them and say, wow, God's up there. Everything, every animal, you go, go, you love horses, you love dogs, you love whatever you love, chameleons, whatever people love. If you get pleasure out of anything that's created, the woods, the beach, the mountains, whatever blesses your heart, that was there, put there to minister to you. You know, there's tree huggers and then there's tree worshipers. We're not going to talk about them today except to say they're wrong. It says in verse 25 of Romans 1, who changed the truth of God, talking about vile men, who changed the truth of God into a lie. What was the lie, Paul? And worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. So here's the truth. God put everything that is wonderful and amazing, which is everything, the devil's perverted a lot of it, but everything that's wonderful is wonderful. Uh, 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 sex is not evil. It's just like having a fire, though, in the, in the fireplace 
versus having it in the middle of the living room floor. <laughs> it's a good thing in the wrong place. Is that right? So there's no, you know, ah, God messed up when he did that. No, he, no man messed up after God did that. But all the things that are perversions are simply that. Marriage is a beautiful thing. Well, people have bad experiences with it, but it doesn't make what God made wrong. It just made how we handled it through whatever perversion or, or uh, uh, thing that, that happened in our life. So the Lord put all this stuff around us so that we would be ministered to the sunset. If I talk to my mother and say, boy, I hope I don't have to have to have a sandstorm because I've lived through some dandies out there. She says, ah, but Michael, we have beautiful sunsets. We don't have chiggers and we don't have humidity. We have beautiful sunsets. And that just settles it for my mother. I mean, it's into conversation. I'm not I'm not asking you to move to Alabama, mother, where there's chiggers crawling all over people and just gnawing their face off and where humidity is just causing us to melt into the morass. She's, my mother, when she comes, she walks on the sidewalk. We don't walk on that green stuff because there's chiggers in that green stuff. And I said, Mother, when we, when we leave the house, we, we leave the house and we get in the car and we get in the car, we go somewhere and we get in the building. Humidity is not really a big issue. And, you know, she's got us all putting the top rock on the pyramid in the humidity all day long. Anyway, that's my mother. I love her. Praise God. But she is a doodle. I'll put, let me put it on, on tapes. My mother's a doodle. Don't laugh. Your mother's a doodle too. <laughs> so we're not to worship anything that's created. We're not to worship pets. We're not to worship places, the beach or the mountains. We're not to worship, and you, only you and I would know what that means, where we cross the line. No one can define it, but you got to be mindful to stay on your side of your capacity, of your boundary, of your potential. you gotta, you got to let the Lord minister to you the way he knows you need ministering, and we need soul health. We all need soul health, and you know when you go to the mountains, it's not like you had never seen a tree. You know, you go to the beach. It's not like you ever drove by a lake. It's just that it ministers to us. It helps us. Well, there's peace at the beach. No, there's not. There's just that you're at the beach and it's not where you're at home. And, it, and so we, we don't worship the creation. We worship the creator. He ministers to us so that we can minister to him. It'd be wrong for him to minister to us and us to fall into love with what he brought us and ignore him. And it happens all the time. So we get that in order. We know what he's done for us. All the stars are just for me and you. Did you know there's, there's 10 billion billion stars? We can only see 1,000 to 1,500 of them in the sky at, in, in any night, and not even that many, many times for the bright lights. But there's a bunch of them out there, and the universe is expanding at the speed of light. It's getting bigger every day. He's good. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I want you all to turn there with me, please. So now we know we are fearfully and wonderfully made, and that everything that's good around us Everything is good that's around us is for us. 
Your pet is for you. Don't worship your pet. Don't, don't miss church because of a pet. Don't change your life because of a pet or the memory of a pet or, or anything. Can I go too far here? Sure I could. But I want to emphasize the point that they're for you and we sure enjoy them. People think I don't like dogs. They're mistaken. I don't like cats. Put the cat mail over there. But I do. I just, you know, I just cannot. My schedule just doesn't let me have them. But dogs help a lot. I tell you, there's a lot of people that need, especially the elderly or the, the handicapped or whatever, they need a pet to let them love and let them receive their love. There's just lots of benefits. But the Lord does not want them to come between you and him. And if you keep that straight, everything's good. First Corinthians chapter 12. When is he going to get to the point? I'm, I'm a coming. I'm getting there. Verse 12 says, for as the body is one, talking about our human body, and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, the analogy is, so also is Christ. So also is Christ. So if we can, it's a parable. If you, you can understand how your body works, then you can understand the body of Christ. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, be bond or free. We have all been made to drink into one spirit, for the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I'm not the hand, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? This seems so simple, but I, I, I don't know very many people that understand this. I mean, it seems like, oh, please, this is so simple. And if the ear shall say, because I'm not the eye, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where, would, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would the smelling? Here it is, verse 18. But now hath God set the members, committed is the word, ordained is the word, set the members, every one of them in the body, say it with me, as it hath pleased him. So now we're going back to fearfully and wonderfully made. Now we're going back to documentation where we are in the book, not just what he wanted us to do, but a plan, an assignment. Did you see that over there in that verse where it says the, the plan of your assignment has been written down? Uh, hardly any Christians even know there is an assignment, much less what theirs is or much less satisfying or pursuing or entering into that. We do whatever we want to do. And whatever comes along, that's what we get along with. And if we like it, bless the Lord, we're going to do it. If we can get away with it, if it's not, uh, doesn't put you in jail, if it doesn't mess up your family or your money, everything's on the menu. We'll order whatever we please. But that's contrary to the word. And you can live that and God loves us and he's going to love us and he and it does it does not affect his love for us. But there's a potential that we miss by going our own way. And I believe I think you would, too, that if we would stop and ask the Lord. Based on the information that we're talking about here and say, what is my assignment? And be sincere. In other words, you would ask with the intent to hear 
and obey. I believe he'd show us some stuff. But if you're not asking to pass the salt, you're going to go, you're going to eat the whole meal without any salt. You got, you got to find out. So he goes on there. He said, uh, uh, verse 18, now hath God set the members, set the members, ordained the members, it commissioned the members. That's, that's different than just, you know, just uh, like Yahtzee or something where you just throw the dice out on the board, whatever comes up. It seems like he has a plan as it hath pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members yet one body? Let's see where I'm going here. And the eye cannot say into the hand, I have no need of thee. Oh, no. Has that ever happened in a church? Oh, my. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of thee. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And he goes on and says the, un the, the unhonorable parts, we, we cover them. Uh, to bring value to them. Let's see. If, uh, well, I'll just read it. Those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor, and our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. Well, I didn't write that down in a, another version, but uh, it, it talks about how we're all the same, but some get to get up and lead the music or preach the word, or go to children's church, and they're seen, but that doesn't make them more important than, than others that are in the prayer closet, or that are coming down here and setting up the building, or things that we go, that's nothing, we, we don't need those people, we need me. Oh, we do? No, we need everybody, and the Lord knows that, and he assigns value to that. So, the passion says in verse 18, but God has carefully designed each member. Do, do you believe that? I do. God has carefully designed each member. I'm carefully designed. He likes five foot six and a quarter. <laughs> I'm going to get all I can. <laughs> He has designed each member and placed it in the body to function as he desires. Oh, he thinks he's in charge. He thinks he's the boss. He thinks this is his deal. Oh, I thought it was our deal. No, it's God's deal. Access is not permission. Just because you can do it doesn't mean you got permission. And certainly doesn't mean make it right. We do a lot of stuff without permission. Y'all know we do? We sometimes we stay home. People stay home. I don't mean we, but I mean people stay home from church and just uh, like that preacher we had in Seminole. He said, I named my bed the word so that when members call, I can tell them I'm in the word. What are you doing? I'm in the word. That's cheap. He has placed it in the body to function as he desires. There are many differing parts and functions, but one body. I want to be in that body and I want to function according to the gift and the calling and the commissioning and the assignment on me. I don't just say, well, there's probably nothing he didn't probably assign me. That's contrary to the word. I'm written down somewhere. Are you written down somewhere? Absolutely. And it wasn't a sticky note. A postum note. It was volume one. 
Oh, this is way bigger than we thought. This is way more important. We trivialize what nobody demands. Say nobody, you don't have to go to a Monday morning God meeting and he say, what'd you do with what I gave you to do this last week? Oh, you didn't do much with it. There's, there's a cost to that. Since we don't go to that meeting, we think that there's no cost or that there's no accountability. But we're in the day of grace. If you were a prophet in the Old Testament, you were accountable for the words you spoke. They stoned you if you had a little addendum and a little footnote that was just added in there. This is what I think. God didn't much care for that. and He doesn't still, but there's grace right now. So here's what I say. And we, the Lord gave us a heads up last year. Do what only you can do. In order that you will do with mastery all you're commissioned to do. Turn with me to Exodus chapter 18. I'm going to show you this in the word. Do what only you can do or only what you're called to do, commissioned to do. Exodus chapter 18. Do y'all remember that Moses had a father-in-law? He lived with him for 40 years on the backside and tended his sheep after he, uh, after he killed the Hebrew in Egypt. He was, he was the man. He was Pharaoh's son. Pharaoh's daughter fished him out of the Nile and took him home and said, look, daddy, look what I got. He said, well, let's just put him in, in line with everybody, or with all the other kids. So he had place. He had standing. Exodus chapter 18. So uh, Moses came, came out of Midian and uh, stood before Pharaoh. He was the only man in the universe that could do it. Y'all think God set, set him up? He was the only man in the universe that could have an audience with Pharaoh and then have something to say to him that Pharaoh wouldn't cut his head off because he was family, sort of. He's mad at him, but he, he and so, so God prepared this man. Do you think he was through preparing people for a job that's yet to be seen? Do you think he's got all the parts invested in you and me, all the experiences, all the knowledge, the wisdom, the insight, the, the word? You go, what's all this for? Oh, it might be for a day that hadn't been revealed. Our testimonies on Sunday morning often talk about this was coming, but I drew on my experience here. I knew I knew that I could speak to a storm that was coming across Mississippi or whatever into Alabama. I knew that I had spoken to it and it went around and over and, and, and everything. So I knew I could that. So then I dogs, I knew I could do that and dogs would do it. Well, What's way back then got to do with right now? Everything. It is our life. I said your life. He's not through. He's building you for a day that you hadn't seen. If you don't believe that, well, then you're not going to be builded. You're going to be just like I'm living for today. And when I go to bed tonight, it'll be the day is over. I'll get up tomorrow and do it again. But that's not God's plan. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. And our assignment, our commission is written down. And when we miss the Lord and we do miss the Lord, we, you know, he's, he's got it on page 7042 
that you're to get up and minister to somebody and, and get them delivered and healed and all that. And you, instead, you go to Walmart. <laughs> I go, no, I never go to Walmart, but, but people do. <laughs> and you go, what's that all about? Well, you know what the Lord does. He just has plan B. And he starts like the, 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 the GPS thing. He starts rerouting us. Go down to the end of the block and make a U-turn, dummy. <laughs> I'm glad you got your stuff at Walmart, but now you got to go back and we got to reroute you because this has got to be done in order something down the road, way down the road, so that it can happen. Oh, I didn't think God was that smart. If he fearfully and wonderfully made you and me, then he's that smart, isn't he? So it says in, uh, let's see, if we, did we get to verse 24? Where did we go to? Oh, we didn't, we didn't even start. Verse 12. There we go. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took a burnt offering and sacrifices for God. I didn't finish the story. They're out in the wilderness, aren't they? They're out in the wilderness for 40 years. Remember that story? And Aaron came and all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law before God. And it came to pass on the morrow that Moses sat to judge the people. And the people stood by Moses from the morning until the evening. Sounds like a poll, doesn't it? And when Moses' father-in-law saw that he did to the people, he said, What is this thing that thou doest to the people? Why sittest thou thyself alone and all the people stand by thee from morning unto evening? Even. And Moses said unto his father-in-law, Here's why. Because the people come unto me to inquire of God. When they have a matter, they come unto me, and I judge between one and another, and I do make them know the statutes of God and his laws. And Moses' father-in-law said unto him, this is where you need a star, around verse 17, the thing that thou doest is not good. The, the Hebrews talks about the good thing that thou doest is not good. Wow. You mean serving in the soup kitchen or serving at the, I don't want to, I don't want to step into things that, that people have been told by God, but I mean, things that were good, obviously good. And you did those because you wanted to be doing something, but it wasn't what God assigned you to. And you just didn't know it. So you were just there you could say the good thing that I did is not good, even though it seemed good. Are y'all there? He, the father-in-law said, the good thing you, Moses, the main man of over all the thing, the good thing you do is not good. Thou wilt surely wear away, verse 18, both thou and the people that is with thee. For this thing is too heavy for thee. Thou art not able to perform it in thyself alone. Why do people burn out? Why do Christians who we are, we are strengthened by his might in our inner man, but Christians, especially pastors, they're burning up burning out all the time. Are y'all with me? You know any Christians that backslid because they just, and hearken now unto my voice, I will give thee counsel and God shall be with thee, but thou for the people to Godward that thou mayest bring the causes unto God and thou shalt teach, here's wisdom, you, thou shalt teach them ordinances and laws. Oh, do what only you can do, Moses. Who else could teach the other people? It was Moses. But he had to pull off of his judge job in order to teach his, these, these men 
his, his laws and statutes, and show them the way wherein they must walk and the work that they must do. Moreover, thou shalt provide out of all the people able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands and rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties and rulers of ten. This is called the Jethro principle. We, we use it today. And let them judge the people at all seasons, and it shall be that every great matter they bring unto thee, they bring unto thee, but every small matter they shall judge. So it shall be easier for thyself, and they shall bear the burden with thee. Do what only you can do. Now, if you know who you are in Christ, if you know that everything in heaven was invested in you when you were created, way before the foundation of the world, way before we had sun and plants and seed time and way before all that, the mind of God was working on you specifically, called you by name, invested in you, and you were still 6,000 years away from being born. I mean, that's after he started with Adam. You were way down the line, but only the Lord can plan this. You know, he's planning the marriage feast of the supper of the lamb. He's, he's, he's a planning God. Hallelujah. And so here you are. He's invested all of heaven and not only just in you to be independent, but he's got you where you're intricately interfacing and relationing with other people. So what you do is going to affect them and they're going to be able to do more and go affect somebody. It just goes on and on and on. It's called exponential. Oh, God could do that. Oh, God not only could, he did. And so you see Moses getting a lesson here. And he changed everything because he was wearing out himself and everybody. He wouldn't live long and he wouldn't do what God had called him to do because when he died, then the ministry was done. Would you all agree? If he was doing all the judging, when the judge dies, well, there's no more judging. But he had all these men now raised up and they could raise up their sons. And this thing just goes and goes and goes. What if the Lord was still doing that? What if little old me, insignificant, don't bother nobody, not, doesn't matter to anybody, doesn't matter to, nobody cares about me. What if little old you and me had a calling on our life that was amazing, impacting, world changing? Everybody you've ever read about in the kingdom was somebody like that until they became somebody else. Billy Graham wasn't born like he was. Kenneth Hagin wasn't born that way. They had a hard, hard life to get there and a lot of surrendering and a lot of giving up. Everything in my life was to be a farmer and I liked it. I'm not, I'm not telling you I resisted it. I, I liked it. But here I am. There's nothing like the will of God. Someone asked me the other day, said, you like Alabama? Yes, I do. Born and raised here. That's my latest story. I'm born and raised here. I love it. I just love it. Why? Because the will of God is wonderful. And so if you don't like Alabama, then find out if you're enduring for a greater cause or if you're in the wrong place. And just go to Mississippi. <laughs> 
Arkansas, something like that. Okay, back to this. So the Jethro principle, do what only you can do so that you won't wear out and that you'll do all you in particular, a detailed person that was assigned to a particular life will finish what God assigned you to do. That's going to be the biggest sorrow of heaven is getting up there and, and God go sort of like uh, a plumber. What were you doing plumbing? I sent you to go down there and be an electrician and you never did put two wires together. You go, well, that's not how it is. Well, it's kind of like that. I called you to be a prophet. I called you to be an encourager. I called you to be an administrator. I called you to do children's church and write children's curriculum. Or I called you to whatever, whatever, whatever. We're all particularly called because he birthed you into the season and the generation on purpose. Why am I a man or a woman? Why am I this race or that? Why am I short or am I tall? Ah, those things were your parents' job. Is that right? That's how biology works. And people that, that wait until they're three months pregnant say, we're believing God for a girl. You got a 50% chance of being right on. But it, it, you can't change anything until you got you to do that up front, don't you? And you go, well, God can do anything. No, he can't do that. He leaves biology to us. It rains on the just and the unjust alike. And babies are born. Well, y'all know how babies are born. Okay, I wrote down one, two, three, four, five scriptures that the Lord gave me for 2023. Can I give them to you? First of all, it's Romans 1.11. Because I'm going to do what only I can do. Now, that's going to be quite of a job to figure out what that is. Because if you're like me, and most of you are, I can do anything. I really can. I can do anything. I don't like to do electrical things, but after that, I'm pretty much, I'm a, I'm a learner. But that doesn't mean that I can just because I will should because I can. So my biggest job, my biggest job in my life is to stay on track. Did y'all nod or did I, did y'all wink to stay on track, to find the track and stay on track, to find the track. We're not that far off because of, of the GPS girl that says, go down and make another U-turn and go back and turn left. Not right. Dummy. And so we, we're, we're not far off, but whatever we're pursuing, whatever's in your heart's desire, what's, whatever, what things, whoever you desire when you pray, believe you receive them, you'll have them. You can alter and get out of the will of God and yet love God. Love God. I'll serve you. I'll do what you want me. I'll go where you want me to go. Clueless. And so people die. They die young, they die embittered, they, buy, they die disappointed because their life wasn't satisfied. He says in Psalm 91, with long life, I will satisfy you. What, what does that mean? I will satisfy you. I will keep putting you back on the track that will satisfy you. What you were made to do and that I put in you to do, I have set the members in the body severally as I have pleased. 
and he doesn't make no junk. If it requires this gift or that gift, you got it. Okay. Romans 1.11. Oh, I'm just going to read out of my notes. For I long to see you. Here comes 2023. That I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end ye may be established. River Church, I tell you, there's gifts to be imparted. And you're going to have to get on your giddy up and start imparting and start establishing. If we went over to Timothy, just thought of that. Has anybody got a Bible with Timothy in it? Okay, Timothy says... Uh, Excuse me. Uh, chapter two. Chapter two. Excuse me. Okay, here it is. Chapter two of Second Timothy. He said, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. So you got to find your place so that you can raise up somebody like Moses was commanded to judge the people. It's not, it's not me and me alone. It's me and who is assigned to me. Because if the truth were told, you were assigned to somebody. But if you didn't ever line up with them, you never did go meet them, you never did come under their word, come under their tutelage, come under their whatever. You didn't want to go to church and you didn't want to, to listen to those people. Well, then you don't have anything to, to, to commit to other men and women. Y'all get that? It's a long story and I can't go there. Psalm 77, 19. This is in the living. This is what Psalm 77, we quote this one all the time. This is for 2023. First of all, that you're to impart spiritual gifts. Well, that was number one, right? Impart spiritual gifts. That means you've got to be with people. I mean, I got this. this. It took me a long time to get this message together. In Psalm 77, 19, in the living, it said, Your road led by a pathway through the sea. A pathway nobody knew was there. Talking about the children of Israel. Moses, I mean, it was a miracle. It was a miracle. But Moses didn't get the sea to part. You know, God didn't part it. Uh, now, hey, are we are on that page that God didn't just, they didn't walk up to there and the, and the sea was already parted? He said, what do you got in your hand? He said, well, I got my rod, my staff. Well, lift it. Speak to it. He got what he said. He commanded the waves or the water to part, and it did. And there was a road under that. God's job was to put the road under it before they got there. He must have had a plan for that day and those people. It was specific. It was detailed. It was very time sensitive. And he said, Moses, you're going to mess up my plan. I can't do this without you raising your rod. I can't do this without you speaking to the river, to the, to the sea. So Moses did. You could go to the story where Aaron and her lifted up the arms of, uh, who was that? 
and they won. They would win when his arms were up. Was that Josh? It was it was Joshua down there fighting it. It was was it Moses? Yeah, it was Moses. OK. And it's long and, and you go, well, God can do anything. Well, as soon as Moses put his hands down, they started losing. You go, well, what's that? Must be more involved in us than we thought. So God rebuked Moses and said, get that staff up, speak to that thing. And suddenly there was a road, led, your road led by a pathway through the sea, a pathway nobody knew was there. Here's the word for 2023. You're going to know what to do. We're going to know what to do in 2023. You're going to be at the right place at the right time. Number three is Psalm 89:15. I'm going to read that one. Psalm 89:15. How about this? Uh, 15. This is long. Blessed is the people that walk the joyful sound, that know the joyful sound. They shall walk, O Lord, in the light of thy countenance. In thy name shall they rejoice all the day, and in thy righteousness shall they be exalted. For thou art the glory of their strength, and in thy favor our horn shall be exalted. For the Lord is our defense, and the Holy One of Israel is our king. Now get ready. 2023, is, this is a different year. Then thou spakest in vision to the Holy One and sayest, I have laid help upon one that is mighty. Let's say it in second person. He has laid help on one that is mighty. Now, who's mighty? Greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. Sounds pretty mighty. Always causes you to triumph in him. You're the head and not the tail. Sounds like you're the mighty. Well, what does it say about us? He says, I have laid help on, upon one that is mighty. I have exalted one. This is about David, chosen out of the people. Uh, I have found David my servant with my holy oil. Have I anointed him with whom my hand shall be established? My arm also shall strengthen him. Now here's back to us. The enemy shall not exact upon him, nor the son of wickedness afflict him. Say 2023. 2023. That's what's going to happen. Listen to this. <laughs> this is hard to read out of the Old Testament. But he says, I will beat down his foes before his face. And plague them that hate him. I looked that up in a little kinder version. He said, I'll weed out everybody who opposes him. I'll clean out all who hate him. That's what's happening this year. I know we're in the day of grace. I know this is not a literal God's just going to come and and just woof out. But I can tell you the translation in the New Testament is you're going to not only escape the trouble that's around, but you're going to dominate the trouble and you're going to testify of the power of God that dominated the trouble. It says, but my faithfulness and my mercy shall be upon him. And in my name shall his horn, which is authority, shall be exalted. Uh, see if I'm there yet. Uh, one more. I will set his hand also in the sea. Does anybody know what the word sea always means in the Old Testament? It means harvest. River Church. The word sea, it's all over the Old Testament. It means I will set his hand also, unless it's talking about a literal body of water. I will set his hand also in the sea and his right hand in the rivers. 
Rivers is a move of the Holy Ghost. So River Church, get ready. The harvest, we've been set in the middle of the harvest in 2023. And the move of the Holy Ghost is going to work.